All right, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 16, the Pinch Talk podcast with Marty and Pat. And I mean, y'all knew uh, last week I went solo, kind of did a whole episode uh, on my own. There was actually some very interesting shit, you know, to mention in that podcast. Whole Manfred conversation. I had a lot of fun with that. But today we get the anticipated return of the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Patrick Ellington. How are you doing, fella? I'm good, man. Um, I appreciate you holding it down last week without me. Um, Cause I had some shit going on. I I really appreciate what you're doing with the threads and everything else, man. You really, you you like the, you, you keep this shit together, honestly. Um, and I'd be all over the place. So, I'm I, I appreciate you, man. You my brother. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy that this was some random shit we just did together after I, I saw you talking about baseball. And how far have we come? Yeah. Um, pause as, as a, as a, as a group, as a duo. Um, I'm just. That was almost crazy right there. Yeah, man, I, I had to. That that one was real bad. That one was that one was awful. But I'm just, you know, I, I appreciate you, bro. You 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 are the shit. Like you you are that dude, man, for real. But we gonna uh, yeah, do something. Man, we golden, bro. We killers. We stay on this Hell shit, yeah. and that's what Absolutely. we do absolutely um you know That's what it what the is fuck we do. Um, we're built for this absolutely go we got a lot of shit to cover we got mlb trade deadline we got two weeks left in the season we got a whole shit ton of injuries um to go over amongst a lot of other things so yeah. let's get to it all right so with that out of the way uh let's kind of get into it like pat said there's a lot of you know a lot of shit to talk about so let's just go I'm just going to go, you know, a quick little recap of how the defenders are looking. Uh, just very quick so y'all can see kind of where the situation is. Uh, the American League, you got the Rays leading the East. Then you got the Blue Jays, which we're going to probably talk about because they've been a, you know, pretty surprising team. Uh, the Yankees, which which will also get mentioned uh, because, you know, their fans are pretty dramatic and they don't know struggle. Um, then the Orioles and the Red Sox, which suck. Uh, the central very interesting division the you've got the white Sox leading it the twins right behind them the indians slash spiders slash cleveland baseball team uh, a couple games back they've been struggling recently which i'm sure pat is delighted about uh then you got the tigers and the royals and in the west you got the oakland ace which we'll also talk about because of a certain injury uh then the astros really struggling the mariners are actually playing pretty good baseball right now uh, a lot of young guys, you know, playing really well. The Angels just beat the Rockies in the series, and they're actually not being shit, uh, which is good. Um, and then the Rangers, which will probably both shit on. Uh, in the National League, you got, obviously, uh, in the West, you got Dodgers. I sounded mad British right there. Uh, you got Dodgers, Padres, then the Giants, damn near 500. Rockies suck. Uh, Diamondbacks, uh, fifth in the West. East, you got the Braves, then the marlins actually 23 and 21 which is very impressive uh then the phillies right uh, right behind them the mets are the mets and the nationals having a classic world series hangover then the central finally uh the cubs the least imposing 28 and 20 team i've seen in a while uh the cardinals then brewers reds which have been disappointing and then the pirates which you know we all know the pirates are terrible so with that out of the way, um, 
do you want to get to uh the news about you know postseason first or do you want to do the breakdown of you know the trades and you know because they actually involve your team once again so yeah which um, one do you I, want man i think we should go over the trade deadline first and then we can segue into the bubble because just from a chronological time standpoint um going over trade deadline yeah. It sets up the picture of how teams are gonna look for the rest of the season, and then we just segue into the postseason bubble. Bubble. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. I think we can. Um, uh, so actually, uh, go ahead because um, most of the big trades involved the Padres, just so y'all know, and one of the big ones involved your team. So you can get on that first, and you and then and then you know we can actually mention you know just so people know uh other you know some of the other trades that you know they're worth keeping an eye on but the big one is obviously padres and spiders <laughs> yes. i love calling them that uh so yeah man like go ahead like floor okay. yours. so so what you got the san diego padres just for some background context you guys the san diego padres and the cleveland baseball club have made five trades in the last 25 months the last two years basically somewhere in there five trades it goes a little bit farther than that but this trade so last year the, the Cleveland Baseball Club the Padres and the Cincinnati Reds had a three had a three team deal sent to the round Trevor Bauer going to the Reds Fran Reyes going to Cleveland and Taylor Trammell an outfield prospect a really good outfield prospect going from Cincinnati to the Padres this year, another starting pitcher of the Cleveland Baseball yep. Club has been traded. Another elite starting pitcher. Okay, so here's the whole deal. It's a lot of names. Um, the Padres acquired Mike Clevenger, Greg Allen, and a player to be named later. And a rumor is the player, the, the player to be named later is uh, Matt Waldron, uh, a, a relief prospect. Um, has been mm-hmm. traded from Cleveland to San Diego and San Diego gave Cleveland Austin Hedges, a catcher, left fielder Josh Naylor, with left fielder slash first baseman, right hand pitcher Kyle Quantrill, uh, shortstop Gabriel Arias, left handed pitcher Joey Cantillo, and the infielder Owen Miller, who was a shortstop slash second base prospect. So, with that trade, um, Austin Hedges was expendable after San Diego traded for Jason Castro and Austin Nola. So, and then yeah, very Cleveland much so. also he's a backup, volu- really. Yeah, he's a backup, and Cleveland also values defensive catchers a lot. So, I understand it. And besides Roberto Perez, Austin Hedges is probably the other elite, really elite defensive catcher all around, elite defensive catcher in baseball right now. Maybe J. T. Romulo, you could throw in there too. Um, mm-hmm. but to me, the main piece in the deal in the return for the for Cleveland is probably shortstop Gabriel Arise. And with this trade, you see the Cleveland front office doing what they do. They stick to their model and what they prefer. They like young players. They like young infielders and young pitchers. And they like they like young players in general that perform against older competition because it's a it's a sign of um a good player usually typically in baseball this is very important especially in the minor leagues when you have those guys that are 18 19 years old that actually are competing 
effectively in in low A, high A, double A, etc. You get you get my you get where I'm yeah. going with this. Okay. So Gabriel Arise is a shortstop. He based on fan graphs, he has like a, a fringe average hit tool because of the fact that he doesn't really identify breaking all three pitches well. A la Javi Baez, you know how Javi Baez. So he gets a lot of Javi Baez comps actually. Um, yeah, Javi Baez, I think, has flashier tools in general, but I think Arias can be like a diet Javi Baez of sorts. Yeah, I think Arias is is pretty similar from a physical standpoint, athletic standpoint to me, because they're the same size. They're about six one, six two. Um, the well. Arias profiles as a 60 grade uh, fielder with a 60 grade arm. They say his arm has a lot of carry for a shortstop. Um, he's a he's he's not going to steal as many. He's not a he might not be the the he might not have the base running value Javi Baez had as for the flashiness, but I think he can he can be equivalent volume maybe. Um, thing with Gabriel Rice, the Padres had him do. Um, the Padres were so worried about him identifying breaking off-street pitches that they had him do um, virtual reality training in order to identify spin better. Oh, damn. Yeah, like, and apparently wow. based on based on the response to that and how well he did, they uh, promoted him to the alternate site this off-season. So um, that's a good sign there. Um Gabriel yep. Arias last year in um, High A in California League um, played with 302 batting average, 33, 33, 9 on base percentage with a 470 slugging for 120 WRC plus. Um, he put up 17 home runs as a 19 year old. And he actually dropped his K rate by about 4% from 29 to 25. And his, break, and his uh, walk rate was about 5%. And his batting average on balls in the play was about 378. So that's that's about as Javi Baez as you can get without 40 home runs. Because when Javi Baez was in the minors, yeah. he he destroyed in the minor leagues. Like I think one year he had like 38 home runs or something. Now I'm not saying he's gonna put up Javi Baez. Yeah, I'm gonna check numbers out the numbers on that because nobody is. Javi, Javi Baez is different. He's a but they're both loose, fluid athletes, big frame, fluid swings. They're gonna provide volume on both um, sides of base, both sides of the ball. Now, the thing with Gabriel Rice is he put up 128 strikeouts in 120 games last season. Mm. You, you got to put the ball in play more. Just you have to. But yeah, everybody, if you don't walk at all, like yeah, he does. Yeah, if you're gonna strike 120 times, you're gonna want to walk around 80, 80 times at a minimum. So yeah. My so the high bias comps are, are legit apparently, but at the same time, um, prospects like this they they can burn out really quickly if they don't make adjustments in the minors or even if they make it to the majors. So what I'm trying to say here with Gabriel Rice is mm-hmm. there's a lot there's a high variance, but the ceiling is a high bias maybe all star caliber shortstop. Plus defender and the plus bat, but there may be just strikeout issues will probably stay. But if you can make adjustments and tone them down a bit, and but at the same time, Cleveland they picked a guy that they can max out. 
like they know what to do with their short stops they have yeah last three decades their main short stops were omar Vizquel, astrubal cabrera and francisco lindor with cameos from johnny peralta and jose ramirez that's about as good as you can get so um i'm optimistic i really like yeah, to trade what they're so. doing with with young they, middle infielders basically absolutely absolutely for sure um and on to the next player um they picked up josh naylor um who's a he's cool fat he's canadian he's a brother of top indian top cleveland baseball club top prospect um bo naylor he's his older brother he's a left fielder slash first baseman mm-hmm. and i think they wanted him just because Josh Naylor hasn't really got a lot of playing time in San Diego just because who they have in the outfield. When you have Tommy Pham and um, the other guys in the outfield, you, you, he's not going to get much burn regardless. So, um, but Josh Naylor has pretty much put up a 10% walk rate, 10% K rate in the minor leagues his whole career. He profiles as um, plus plus raw power and plus plus game power. Like he has 60 grade raw and game power. But the thing is on him, he he doesn't hit a lot of fly balls. So they can kind of let him, give him some playing time and see if he can figure it out in left field or even at first base if they don't pick up Carlos Santana's option next year, which I will absolutely riot if they don't, which they probably won't do because they're cheap. <laughs> but that's another story for the day. You digress. <laughs> um, I, I actually like the Josh Naylor. Um, pick up just because you throw him in left field you let him figure it out either he's six or he doesn't and based on all the trades the Padres and Cleveland have done over the last two or so years they know their players well they know their system well one thing about baseball when you trade with other teams you you have to scout their players yourselves you, you, you really can't get scouting reports from their from them on their own players and baseball organizations have different perspectives on tools and preferences and player types and body types, etc. Position value and everything like that. So yeah. having success by knowing the system real well and keep on going back to it. The way to the way that the way that Cleveland goes to the Padres system and picks out players and trades is like how the Rays go to Cleveland system and fleeces them every time. Like with Yandy Diaz and Ruben Cardenas. Um, Kyle Contrell, he's a right-handed pitcher. He was a top three draft. He was like a, he was like the third overall pick one year, 2016, I think. And was a, was like a top 50 prospect throughout his minor league career. Um, he struggled a bit as a starter in the majors. Um, he really, one thing with him is he, he has a good fastball and slider, but he hasn't picked up that third pitch, which is typically the changeup. In order to keep hitters off balance, because in the major leagues you need a you need a you need an average changeup in order to be a starting pitcher. You can't be a two pitch starter in the major leagues. It's not possible. Yeah, the only one that I can think of that comes even close to that is like Patrick Corbin. Yeah, and, and even then he still has a decent curveball. So, yeah. Um, Paul Contro, he's going to slide into the bullpen this year where he's actually been pretty good, but there is a chance he can start. And with the with Cleveland being able to max out starters, who it looks like a guy who's a four or five starter, could wind up being a three. Um, 
because I feel like I've said this for thousands of years that Zach Plezak and Aaron Savali and Tristan McKenzie are, are four or five starters, and even Shane Bieber could be a four or five starter, and then wind up being one uh, ace in Shane Bieber's case, or a two or three, or maybe or a really good three in Zach Plezak and Aaron Savali, and maybe Tristan McKenzie's case. Um, so he still has a lot of potential. Kyle Quantrill is really young. Um. On to the next prospect, left-handed pitcher Joey Cantillo. He's six four, really lanky. Has a lot of extension on his fastball. It sits ninety to ninety two. He was one of the youngest players in the twenty sixteen draft. Taken, he was like seventeen, I think, and he he hit a ball at the age of eighteen, I think, and he hit high a ball at. And he's had one thing about him that I've kind of said on the podcast before. He has a strikeout rate above nine and a walk rate below three. We know that's it. That's Cleveland's profile for mm-hmm. pitchers every single time. So with him, he has a really good changeup. He has one of the best changeups in the in the Cleveland farm system already. He has a pretty good fastball. Um the extension he gets on it makes it make the perceived velocity faster than what it is because he has long arms. So even though it's 90-92. It looks like 93, 94, just because he's closest to the plate when he releases the ball. But if you have a velocity jump, since he hasn't really filled out yet and his body hasn't matured, that people are kind of anticipating, it brings his volume up a lot because it's making his fastball that much more playable. He's been working on the curveball, which has decent shape, but it needs work. And Cleveland has a... I'm just going to give Cleveland the benefit of the doubt when it comes to some of these prospects because they know how to max out these type of guys that they that they picked up in Detroit. Yeah. So the last uh, guy, what's up? No, go ahead, go ahead. I feel like there's like a big ass delay, some shit, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, The last player to pick up in Detroit is a, is a college infielder, Owen Miller. Um, He's, he's a shortstop. He's, he's played in double A and he's been pretty good although in the California league and everybody kind of hits well I think he was I can't remember what league he was in but um, he he's a kind of a, a more he, he's not really toolsy but he's one of those baseball players that's more than some of his parts you know that average guy that's kind of just a good player or a decent player yeah solid at everything across the yeah. board um he might be a stopgap for one of the shortstop prospects if Francisco, well not if, when Francisco Lindor is traded or leaves a free agency. Because um, we're not going to see Tyler Freeman or Brian Rocchio or Gabriel Rice until 2022 at the earliest, for sure. So um, he's just a, a decent bat, decent glove type of guy. He kind of profiled him at his, him at his absolute peak. If he reaches his ceiling, is like Ben Zobris, maybe, or David Fletcher. Yeah, which is not a bad ceiling. It's not, not a, a bad, bad ceiling to have, honestly. Yeah. Um. Now, given yeah, him Mike Clevenger than the other guys, yeah, you mentioned. yeah, absolutely. Um, with Mike Clevenger, um, trading him, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm not really panicking. I guess just because of the fact that I feel like bringing up Tristan McKenzie and having him do pretty decent for someone who hasn't played in two years so far um, gives me a lot of faith but 
I also think people are really expecting more big names to get involved in this trade, especially since the Padres have the second best farm system in baseball. But I think Clevenger's kind of reputation and, and his history kind of, not just the whole COVID uh, breaking the rules thing with that, but some other behind the scenes thing that scenes things that he has done kind of plays into that, plays into that as well. So, and I feel like yeah. Cleveland also went quantity over over our quality. So, do you take six players, a backup catcher who's an elite defender, an outfielder who hasn't really proven himself on a major level but has a lot of potential? Same thing with the right-handed pitcher, and you get their seventh, ninth, and eleventh prospects in the top two far system in baseball, who actually might be really good because the farm system is that talented where if they they might wind up being everyday major league players regardless now in my opinion i like to trade i feel like them focusing on taking quantity over quality works because that's what they've done with all the stars they traded over the last decade from cliff lee to cc stabathia to trevor Bauer last year and Corey kluber in the offseason as well i feel like they know what they're doing they've earned a benefit of doubt with the trade for me how can I say this? Um, sometimes the main piece in the deal isn't even the piece that winds up being the best player. In the CC Sabathia deal, Michael Brantley was a player to be named later. And he's been one of the best left-handed hitters in baseball since he got called up. Carlos Carrasco was an afterthought in the Cliff Lee deal. And he's top, top, top seven all-time in strikeouts for a Cleveland Indians pitcher. So it just goes to show you that sometimes the big prospect, the big shiny prospect, isn't the one that's going to pan out. And sometimes it's okay to just trust the organization, especially the organization with the track record, track record of the Cleveland front office. Um, so yeah. I'm going to set off my step off my soapbox, um, and I'm going to hand it to you and let you get your thoughts on the deal. Okay, so for me, I mean, uh, the one thing that I that I almost cut it off, you know earlier um i, I wanted to say because you know we we're talking about uh he slugged uh he slugged uh 638 in double a as a 20 year old uh Ridiculous. so that's pretty good um yeah that's pretty fucking good <laughs> uh so yeah so for me i mean i was expecting uh to see clevenger get traded i mean i think everyone did uh the thing was uh when i look at it uh kind of and not just uh the clevenger trade but really the what the Padres did as a whole because the Padres uh they also added uh trevor rosenthal which i talked about um they added a whole bunch of players they added uh, mitch moreland they added jason castro and austin nola two catchers greg allen and outfield like they loaded up basically and they really didn't have to trade any of their truly elite prospects uh so i mean job well done on their part really uh everything they've done really tells me that they're gonna be a pain in the ass for like at least like four years which is good for them but really bad for me so uh yeah that's basically that i mean the pilots are a team that if they were not in the in the same division as the dodgers uh they would be talking you know We'd be talking about them being, you know, a potential dynasty of sorts because the Dodgers are always going to steal wins from them, you know. So, and let's keep in mind that those elite prospects that they didn't trade, 
they're going to come up eventually and they're going to be even better than now so i mean they're they're in a position where if they do things right they should contend for at least six seven uh years um and on some other trades uh the marlins uh they got uh starling Marte, which <laughs> he's had a weird year he signed in in arizona thinking that they were gonna you know win they were gonna contend the d-backs turn out to be a terrible team and they basically had a fire sale uh they traded uh robbie ray and his broken slider uh to the well not well not broken slider but broken approach uh to the blue jays they traded who actually acquired a lot of uh starting pitching uh ross stripling among them by the way angels angels are just dumb uh so the marlins got Marte, and the marlins are actually another one of those teams that i don't know if you agree with me i think we were both kind of a bit too cautious on them because it feels like they're ahead of schedule somewhat but i think they might be nice a lot earlier than we thought uh you agree with that i do um one thing that's really been interesting this year is seeing teams across baseball call up their prospects their top prospects especially ones from double a like the the double a straight to the major mm -hmm. league jump is rare but this year when it's only 60 games and and it's kind of and this then playoffs have been expanded and it's easier to kind of grab a spot and you have top prospects that you want them to develop and and see competitive pitching and i get it i, I get it honestly and one thing I respect about the D-backs is how fast it seemed like they kind of tried to reload quickly this offseason after they kind of did another re this is like kind of their second rebuild after they kind of traded yep. Goldsmith, Goldie, and um, Frankie and they got back their big group of prospects from those deals and they looked pretty good like they almost they almost got it they looked pretty good last year in 2019 down the stretch and then they this offseason, they 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 swung starting Marte trade. They signed uh, Madison Baumgartner, and they did some other things. So it's it's interesting to see how how the composite franchise they saw what they threw against the wall wasn't sticking. They turned around and traded the players that have value for prospects, and they're going to try it again. And that's what a competent organization does right yeah. folks not the, uh, not the so rangers not the rangers oh yes yes uh we gotta talk about that uh but let me save that for uh for just a couple of, um uh minutes later here uh the reds uh they're still going all in i mean they've been disappointing as hell all year they're still going on it all in they got archie bradley from the d-backs they got brian goodwin from the angels uh, the Phillies got a whole bunch of relievers, uh, and they need every single one of them. Absolutely. Uh, the Blue Jays, like I said, they got a lot. Yeah, they need a bit. That bullpen is just so terrible. Uh, they make the Rockies bullpen look competent, and that and that bullpen only has two reliable pitchers. So uh, the Blue Jays got uh, Jonathan Villar, who's a good player. Uh, they got Robbie Ray, like I mentioned, Ross Serpling, uh, Tejon Walker uh yeah they got a whole bunch of players and the blue jays are another team that are a bit early on like i think they're a bit ahead of schedule but they're gonna be exciting for a couple years uh the indians of course we talked about them the cubs got uh jose martinez from the rays uh they got cameron maven from the tigers uh they got a little bit better they got a couple of pitchers um 
but yeah like the big move was really uh the padres just basically acquiring every every valuable player under the sun and the d-backs trading people away so with that being said um we talked about the marlins and we talked about the blue jays and uh this kind of follows a trend of i don't know if like i know i don't know if it's jumped out to you as much as it has to me but young teams are performing very well this year and a lot of those steady veteran teams are just falling off a cliff like you look at the standings yes. yeah like it's crazy the white Sox, the blue jays yep. um seattle seattle's doing a lot better than i thought they were miami um who else mm-hmm. the padres yeah that's 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 those are the main yep. young teams and yeah that's a lot of young teams that's a lot yeah. of blood replacing mediocre veteran teams absolutely we're gonna beat this day hold to death you guys just because it's that important but this 60 game season gives young teams a window because they're gonna play hard and not gonna know any better if this was a 162 game season i'll be a lot more skeptical just because that yeah. second half of the season about, separates about half the, of those teams yeah yeah for a couple of those teams maybe not the the padres but the blue jays maybe and the, and the white Sox for sure just because the white Sox don't have enough pitching to last them for 162 games as their pitching staff stands right now but mm-hmm. it's just good to see the the young talent in baseball that we've been waiting on that there's been i mean the wave of young talent that's hit baseball the last the last decade has been absurd honestly i say mm-hmm. from 2015 onwards when you had correa and lindor at the head of that class then next year you had gary sanchez and, and those guys in the year after that in the year each year is just it's been great and even this year seeing would Pittsburgh have really caught up with Brian Hayes this year if they were just a 162 game season and started this clock? I doubt it. Would the Indians have caught up? Would the Indians have caught up Tristan McKenzie, who wasn't pitching over two years, and put him in the rotation? No. And let him pitch and trade Mike Clevenger in the same year of just a 162 game season? No, absolutely not. No. Would we have seen. Joe Adele? Joe Adele? No, we wouldn't have. And even though he struggled a bit, you see the flash of the greatness of him because his athleticism is off the charts. So when he's in the box, it's crazy. Like, yeah, it, the bat speed, the, the, the bat speed he gets is 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 very very scary to watch. It, it, I was really gonna uh, say it's, yeah. it's scary. <laughs> like, it's just you don't you don't it's just different. Even for a major league player, you don't see you don't see shit like that. From anybody, let yeah. alone a twenty-three, a twenty-two-year-old. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you're you're seeing so many of those young teams, and they're gonna get a chance to compete in the postseason. And of course, the postseason we all know is gonna be fucking crazy. Now, the postseason format, I feel like we've talked about it before, of course, and we know we're not here to talk about it because we all know is is just gimmick, and it really. If this post, you know, if this postseason format was kept the same through 100, you know, with 162 game season, it would completely make the season just irrelevant. Uh, so that's why it needs to go. 
uh but for this year it's fine so that format uh, there's some news with that now we've also talked about how mlb didn't do a bubble of course nhl did nba did as well the nfl is doing their season without one and we'll see how that goes um so uh mlb wised up and they knew that they can't risk uh the postseason being stopped by a corona case which would you know stop the money coming in from the tv deals and you know they can't afford that so uh they've they've decided to do bubbles now they've picked a couple of ballparks for this they've picked actually four established ballparks for this uh so i have the tree right here from uh jeff passan and i'm just gonna read out the ballparks and you know the series that we're so the wildcard series we all know one place a two place seven three place six four place five uh they'll be all three games will be played at the home parks for the number one through four seeds that's standard but then when you start getting to the division series that's when the shit gets interesting so uh the nlds and the alds the nlds will, will be played at globe life field that's the texas rangers ballpark the new ballpark and the other nlds will be played at minute maid park so you got two american league ballparks for the national league division series and you guessed it in the american league division series you got petco park and dodger stadium um i think it makes perfect sense uh and you know we, we can we can talk about it uh afterwards uh the nlcs will be played at globe life field once again texas rangers ballpark and the alcs will, will be played at petco park which by the way i'm very surprised they picked they picked uh, petco park and not dodger stadium um and then with the, the world series will be at a neutral side because the texas rangers suck and they're not going to make the, uh, the postseason um and yeah so it, it will be played at a uh, globe life field and speaking of i mean god damn um i actually forgot to shit on the on the rangers i just went into the into the bubble news and forgot to shit on the rangers uh you, you want to do that uh, right now you want to go first on that absolutely yeah, go first okay. on that. all right um so the rangers have been in a rebuild since 2016 yeah 2016 because they had those two years when they got smoked by the um by the Blue Jays. Blue <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Blue Jays cooked them. That Jose Batista, that Jose Batista bat flip is just amazing. That, that yeah. shit is amazing. But Historic okay, shit. yeah. So the Blue Jays, so the Rangers actually have a, a good group of veteran players that they could have traded. Last trade deadline, this offseason, and this trade deadline. Their names are Mike Miner, Joey Gallo, Lance Lynn. Now. Why haven't you traded Lance Lynn yet? Like, you could have traded him in the offseason. You could have traded him, got prospects for him. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball this season, too. Now, while he is very inconsistent, his stock was actually pretty decent this year, was it not? He's healthy. He's a workhorse starting pitcher. Every team needs that. <laughs> like, yeah. You could have got him to the Yankees for. Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar, and you take that because you're the Rangers. You don't have anybody else on your roster. No. Yeah. The, the Joey Gallo trade, I, I, not trading Joey Gallo, I kind of get because his stock is kind of down this year because of the injuries and everything. But at the same time, what are you keeping him for? Like, you really have no reason to keep him. You could have traded him in the offseason too after he had handmade surgery. 
he got a lot for him. But to the casual fan, Joey Gallo isn't that good. But to people who actually know the game, he's a plus defender in the outfield who can actually place in the field in a pinch for you if you need to. He has a bazooka for arm, and he hits home runs and walks a lot. He's a he's a <laughs> stereotypical yeah. three true comes hitter that can play plus defense in the outfield. Yeah, he's not Adam Dunn, folks. No, he's not Adam Dunn. He's he's Adam Dunn with the glove. Yeah, and you take that because there's a value in that, whether you agree or disagree. I don't give a fuck if he has a two sixteen batting average. The man gets on base yeah. and he and he hits ten. I still think shots. they trade him in the offseason. I do too. If they don't, then the Rangers just, are just extremely incompetent. They they just need to, to delete the franchise if they don't trade him in the offseason. It makes no sense. I and agree. they traded Mike Miner too, which makes no sense. Because they could have traded him last year ones. when the stock was actually up. And yeah. you could have got some before him. But no, you wait a year too late and you get two bullshit practice from the Oakland A's for Because he he's having an awful year this year. Which is stupid, absolutely stupid. People need to, yeah, it's it's just completely incompetent. It reminds me of of, of the Rockies holding on to cargo until he literally couldn't play anymore for like four years too long. That was bad. Anyway, because you guys, because when you was at this peak, you guys could have got a lot of value for him, a lot. Because you really don't see lefty hitters like that who can who doesn't have a major platoon split. And he was a good, and he was a yeah, pretty good outfielder. But anyway, anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the Rangers. I mean, we we're kind of like sorry to cut you off because I mean I'm cutting you off without knowing because there's a because the, I can tell there's a delay. Uh, so the Rangers, um, yeah, they're just extremely incompetent. I get it. They're you know they're they're at a new ballpark. They don't want to go to a new ballpark and immediately tank. But just do, man. Like, it doesn't make sense. The next time you're going to contend will be in 2025 at best. So, yeah, just take the L's, move on, and blow it up, uh, which could be applied to a couple teams, including a purple pinstripes rocking one. But, uh, yeah, so that's that. So, moving on from that, uh, because they remind me too much of, of my team. Um, so, the bubble news that we talked about, of course um i found it interesting uh the ballparks they picked uh the locations don't surprise me texas and in southern cali as was you know the rumor everywhere pretty much where you look um i think it's going to be interesting to see teams play at the at basically neutral sites because american league teams don't play the nl very often and yeah it's going to be pretty interesting and the fact that Glo- uh, the, the world series is at a neutral site that's interesting, especially at a park that's closer to a pitcher's park than a hitter's park. So I don't like the Petco Park. They could have picked any other park on the West Coast in the NL. Well, all the baseball parks in the Dodger West Stadium. Coast are pitcher's park. Yeah, I mean, Dodger Stadium is, is, is more neutral, like whether it favors hitters or pitchers. But, I mean, you know better than me since that, that's your division. But Petco Park is just awful. Nah, Dodger Stadium's a pitcher's park. Dodger Stadium is a pitcher's park, 100%. But Petco Park is just... Carnivorous. death for right-handed hitters. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just... No, I just don't like the Petco Park thing because, I don't know, I'm just... I may, I may be biased. I'm just really thinking about all the teams in the AL and how many right-handed hitters 
player on these teams. And I remember somebody saying that someone. I remember someone on Twitter saying that someone should make a a ballpark factor list for all of the parks they choose and how it relates to each team in the postseason. Because that would be very interesting to see who who that falls in favor of and who it doesn't. Because mm-hmm. we all know sports has a bias towards the superstar teams, so the fix could be in. To be fair, Petco Park is not the cavern it was ten years ago. That's true. Because uh, I, I think they made some changes. Uh, they did. They and, did move on the walls up or something. But but it's still very much more leaning towards the pitcher side, which I don't mind because I like pitcher duels. But yeah, like Petco Park is not the park it was ten years ago. But um, but yeah. Uh, how do you? Uh, have you watched some games at uh at Globe Life? Field, uh, Globe Life Stadium, the Rangers' new ballpark. I, I, I've only watched Mike Trout and the Temptations, but it is it, one thing I really liked about the old Rangers Stadium was how fast the infield played because it was so hot and the ground got so hard and stuff because of the sun baking the the dirt. It was really it was a really fast paced yeah. uh, park, especially since you since the ball flew in the air since um it was the air was so thin because it's so hot. You got a lot of triples and yep. home runs, even though it was more of an AL park. So it's kind of weird now, especially since they can close the roof. And but I doubt it. Since they can close the roof and you got the AC and shit now, and the balls die at certain parts of the field, especially like the center field, balls just seem to just fade out real quick. So yeah, they they go to die right there. Yeah, yeah, they die to left center. But. One interesting thing I think we'll see with the with the with, with the um with the parks they chose, especially since they picked Globe Life, Petco, Dodger, and Minute Maid is good outfield defense and good relays and a lot of triples, which gets ratings and it's really it's mm-hmm. probably the most exciting plays in baseball, honestly, besides a home run or 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 a squeeze sacrifice or suicide squeeze or some shit like that you don't see often. I'd say the inside the parker. Yeah, inside the park or two, just because of the rarity. Um, but you get what I'm saying. I feel like they're setting up to where they're they're trying to get as many exciting baseball players as possible, since they know they're going to get good TV ratings. Yeah, they pick two big uh, ballparks who are conducive to you know balls hitting the gap, going for triples, and they picked uh, Little League Park, basically, uh, which is Mean and May Park. So. Uh yeah, I mean it makes sense. I mean Texas and Southern Cali makes sense. I mean Minute Maid Park plays like a, a little league park to the to the very very corners, but to center it has a farthest center field wall in baseball. I mean it does, but nobody is is aiming for it though. <laughs> okay, that's true because you could just yank the ball or slap that away down the lines. I've seen some home runs hit at Minute Maid Park that make the fucking Green Monster home runs look look. Look, look like amazing like it's it's crazy to watch cheap ass home runs into the seats um uh so yeah so <clears throat> god damn <clears throat> that's my bad uh so aside from that uh you know we've gone over the trade deadline and some of the moves made there going over you know kind of how, how teams are looking going over the bubble plan which by the way i mean if you didn't see this coming from a mile away the fact that they were going to do a bubble then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, there has been some contention uh, with the players. I feel like uh, if I don't, 
if I don't recall, if I if I can recall right, I think Justin Turner uh, of the Dodgers, he he was the one who was kind of like, eh, like I don't know how how I feel about, uh, you know, the whole, because because they still gotta you know put the whole policy of how the families can you know you know can come in or not, like they can visit or whatever. I think that uh, what the NHL did, I know probably none of y'all listening actually pay attention to hockey. Uh, but uh, the NHL, basically what they did for their bubble was they didn't allow anyone in until the conference finals. And then they allowed the players' families in when there's less. Obviously, only four teams left. So I feel like MLB could do something similar to that. Uh, allow, you know, players' families in once the, uh, you know, the championship series um, kicks in. Because, I mean, before that, it's just way too many fucking people. And the last thing you want is games getting delayed because of coronavirus. So, yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's basically that. Um, you you were gonna say something? See, this whole delay is bullshit. But yeah, it's just blowing. Ahead, like, um, I was gonna say, yeah, you don't want to see important players that major the whole season healthy get get knocked out because they caught COVID. And just to give you guys an example, um, Yon Makata, the start for starter baseman for the White Sox, he caught Corona and he, he's playing again now. He recovered, but he said his body doesn't feel the same. So it just goes to show you, it's not. He's not hitting well. Yeah, he, he's actually doing decent, but he said he, he just doesn't feel he doesn't feel right. And when you play a game like baseball, when you're playing every day and you gotta you gotta focus on your bats and you also gotta play defense like he does at a important position. You wanna feel as good as you possibly can. Night in and night out. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and kind of related to that, uh you go ahead. God damn. You could go ahead, bro. Go ahead. What you wanna say? Uh so I I was gonna say, you know, kind of related to that, uh some talk because, you know, some injury updates because if there's one thing that this season is sad is a shit ton of injuries especially a lot of pitchers getting hurt but recently you, you're seeing some position players get some as well uh in particular you're seeing two the two best defensive third basemen in the world uh nolan arenado uh he he's been and see this makes me angry um he was taken out the lineup because he had his uh, his shoulder bothering him, uh, and he said it had been bothering him all season long. So I, I'm I'm going through something similar in my with my starter baseman right now, Jose Ramirez, and um, he had a left thumb contusion, so he actually had like a big ass bruise on his left thumb. And as a switch hitter, that's important because he takes most of his abs from the left side of the plate. And Jose Ramirez literally had handmade surgery last year, too. So I, I just don't understand. I mean, I understand these guys want to play every day, and baseball players pride themselves on playing through injuries and shit like that. But this is a 60 game season, and you try to make the playoffs. Sit these guys' asses down and let them get some fucking rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you'll take 50 good games of his superstar over 60 mediocre games because they got some bothering them and right, they can't and hit i mean nolan's been terrible this year for, for his standards he's been awful this year as a hitter he just and his swing profile looks the same 
he just can't quite get to the to you know those pitches on the inside that he that he's always hammered. Same with uh, Jose. He's not like, hitting the ball he, hard. And exactly. if, if your shoulders, it, yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, bro. But but yeah, when you have when when you when, when you have shoulder, hands, wrists, injuries, elbow, arm, bicep, etc. In baseball, super position players, doesn't matter which which arm it is, that can literally change how much production you're getting from them. When you are. Yeah, they, and it could change how much they can do at the plate when it comes to play coverage, or hitting the ball hard in certain areas that they usually do, um, back control, etc. That's a big fucking deal, especially for a guy like Nolan Arenado, whose swing basically has no involvement of his wrists or hands whatsoever. It's it's actually a very weird swing to watch. He 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 doesn't use his hands at all. He 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 rotates straight up like he doesn't use his hands at all. But yeah, so he uh, apparently he's been hurt all year, and because you know that's who he is, he's been playing hurt and not complaining because that's his mentality. But yeah, sit your fucking ass down. Um, and the big one, of course, and this is a really 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 sad one to see because it's a dangerous injury. Uh, Matt Chapman of the Oakland A's, we said before that, you know, there was something bad to talk about with the A's and it's Matt Chapman. Uh, now, I believe that you are even more aware of me of how important uh, the hips are pause for a baseball player and really how bad a hip injury can be. So, uh, Matt Chapman is apparently looking for, you know, like a second opinion, see if he's going to have surgery or not. Everything I've read says that he's likely going to have surgery. Uh, how bad would it be? I mean, not even just athletics or baseball in general. In, in everyday life, hip is one of the most important. Your hips are one of the most important parts of your body. And for someone that plays a lot of position like he does at third base, and how you use your hips to rotate when you're swinging a baseball, that's, that can ruin his career or inhibit yep. him from being a you player. You saw Bo Jackson. Yeah, but with Bo Jackson, that was, that was different. He literally, that man was so strong, he tore his hip out of his socket himself. Like, <laughs> like Bo, Bo Jackson is, is so strong and athletic that he injured himself in a way that most humans couldn't even do because they don't have the physical capacity to do so. Like he was dragging a, a grown ass man that was a football player. Like his body couldn't physically handle itself. Like that's pretty much what I got. If you look at that, I know you've seen that play before when he was dragging that man halfway down the sideline. Yeah, with a fucked up hip. He was like a superhero. Pretty yeah, much. like the Bo Jackson physicality is so different that he it literally hurt himself. Like he disabled himself. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, thinking that it'll makes be the sense, case right? for uh, Chapman, but yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But like, I don't think it'll be the case for Chapman. But yeah, like you said, like it can potentially fuck up his career because if he loses bad speed, then sure he might be still a great defender. But if he starts becoming a league average hitter, then that can really fuck him over the years. And it might shorten how long he plays. He, this might linger for his career. Yeah. Uh, just another reminder uh, these athletes have a very short shelf life and 
if you see them negotiating with the team trying to get paid as much as possible don't get mad at them because they know they're one bad injury away from being useless so you know a lot Grady Sizemore yep so many cases of that is almost hard to count so yeah that's pretty much that that's it for the sad news really I mean there's there's been a lot of injuries this year a lot uh, because you know no ramp up process means pitchers are going to be cold and you know so yeah uh, that's pretty much it I don't know if, if we got anything else to cover because this this some other topics that we could throw in but I mean we're probably better off saving them you know like we talked about before the podcast and really I mean the pot you know the postseason preview is still probably a week or so away probably next week we'll do it because you know the postseason picture should already be a bit more defined by that point but uh yeah uh you got anything more no i think that's it okay so man like this episode because it was good because it was a good conversation but man like this fucking delay like this shit blew me man we gotta we gotta figure this shit out yeah and you got to add that in the but, post-production and shit too right when you line the shit up yeah that's gonna take me a while this shit yeah. might come out tomorrow it's it on monday by the way so yeah it might come out tomorrow so uh so if it comes out tomorrow then actually the po- the power rank it should be today yeah probably so so uh yeah so if that was everything uh that was episode 16 of the pinch talk podcast damn i didn't even do the full intro at the beginning i just realized that but yeah that was episode 16 pinch talk podcast remember to check out the account of the podcast on twitter remember to check out our threads remember to check out pat's articles uh yeah the podcast is available on every single platform go click on that shit because every click is important and yeah thank y'all so much for listening uh you want to tell something to the folks listening and sign off or do you want me to do this do the standard if you guys could please pray for the cleveland indians offense that's that's all (laughs) i gotta say oh shit and if y'all guys could uh please pray for uh jeff radish to get fired and for Montford to sell the team and for my pain to be ended yeah rob manfred needs to get his ass launched into space so uh <laughs> yeah that was episode, <laughs> that was episode 16 of the pinch talk podcast um see how i can actually edit this because man this play blowing minds but anyway uh so yeah thank y'all so much for listening and that was it man this was some weird shit god damn